to Pod Save Africa. Welcome 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 to Pod Save Africa. Hello all, welcome back to Pod Save Africa. It's your host, Akande Adirale. I am entirely excited to be back here. Uh, with me, I have Oyinkan and Hazel. Guys, you want to say hi? Hi. Hello. All right, awesome sauce. Um, today we're going to be talking about a bunch of stories. We're going to catch you up on the summer. It's been a while. We've missed you guys, but we want to keep you guys updated on what's been happening on the continent while we've been gone. We're going to be covering everything from Theresa May's African tour till uh, Uganda's activities with Bus- Bubby Wine and Museveni, and we're going to be talking about the unrest in Cameroon as well, amongst other stories. So how about we just get into it? I want to get us popping with the first story. Yes, I would love to, because this is like the best news that came out of the past six months. But yeah. Ethiopia and Eritrea have finally made peace. Shoulder twerk. And if you look up the picture, you see people like getting reunited with their families oh. and hugging cousins they haven't been able to. Oh, that's years. dope. We need to. Um, but anyways, as a background story to what happened between the two countries, Eritrea and Ethiopia used to kind of exist together as a country. Eritrea mm-hmm. won independence from Ethiopia in 1991, uh, but families still decided to leave on the different sides because that's where their homes were. Uh, but then the countries could never really decide on what their where their border should be. Um, and then they fought a war that ended with an agreement, but the agreement was never really passed, uh, passed into action, I guess, for yeah. lack of a better word. Um, and so they've been kind of closed up to each other and have had a tense relationship since then, and this is since the 2000s. Um, recently, they got a new prime minister, and we've talked about this in all news updates this year. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what exactly, in July. Yeah. Um, and he met with the um, prime minister of Eritrea, and then they signed an agreement, declared the state of war over... And they began to like meet each other. The flights have resumed. Ships have started going between the two ports, and they even had a concert. So that oh, was wow. cool. okay. <laughs> that's 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 fantastic. I mean, just to give people context of what this might feel like, it would be like North Korea and South Korea coming to peace, like for real, for real. Really, that's how big a deal it is. Um, I mean, take away the nuclear weapons, but really, it it's a big deal. Um, yeah, and then the, yeah, and I think. It also highlights the issue of like artificial borders mm-hmm. that were created during mm-hmm. colonization. Right, even right. in most African countries, you see that mm-hmm. that like they are people were so fluid, right. even though they live over the border, because these borders were just artificially created and right. separated families. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I see why the relationship between Eritrea and Ethiopia was was tense. Eritrea probably felt like they were. Uh, backstabbed because essentially during the colonization to wait wait to wait 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 you're about to do uh, a what quick facts, yeah. quick facts there facts. we go quick <laughs> facts all right go into it 
I can't pronounce the word facts, by the way. You can't pronounce the word facts? No, sir. Not very well. Jesus. Anyways, that's my feedback. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, Eritrea was a piece of Ethiopian land, um, but when the Italians were coming to colonize Ethiopia, um, the Ethiopians had an agreement that the Italians could have the area of land that was Eritrea um, as part of their co colony, right? And then, um, and they signed an agreement saying that, oh, if we give you this piece of land, you give us some weapons and you're not allowed to um, colonize us. That, and that's what the Ethiopians thought. But the Italians just thought that means we give you weapons. Um, and the Italians started to say that Ethiopia was part of their protectorate. Um, but the Ethiopians were like, wait, wait, that's not what we agreed to. Hmm. And then another war was fought um, between the Italians and the Ethiopians which the Ethiopians initially won, and then there's the second war that, um, well, there's a second time that the Italians came back and then the Ethiopians was under, was under the rule for about five years and then they weren't. But after that, then, that, that kind of created a division between Eritrea and Ethiopia. Hmm. And then they tried to, um, they tried to come back and like have that agreement Later, the UN said that Eritrea should be part of Ethiopia in 1952, but they didn't like that, so they fought for the independence. And so they tried to, after the independence, tried to establish an agreement of borders and stuff, and can never reach. So that's what brings us to this story. But Let's uh, get it popping with the next one. Um, this, unfortunately, is on a much less brighter note. Uh, the former UN chief and the Nobel Prize winner, Nobel Peace Prize winner Kofi Annan died this summer at the age of 80. Um, he passed away in the in the Swiss capital of Bern. Um, he essentially spent most of his entire life fighting for peace, sustainable development, human rights, and the rule of law. Um, he served as the seventh UN Secretary General from 1997 to 2006 and he won a Nobel Peace Prize jointly with the UN in 2001. Um, he was such an impactful man, and even looking into how people all over the world reacted, for many African kids, that was the first major example of a exemplary leader, so his passing is particularly sad. What, what do you guys think? Yeah, it was kind of symbolic for me, because I feel like we have very few leaders, acting leaders that we can look up to. So him passing was like, so who did he have a lot of But yeah, so it sucks. It sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, definitely that's a good example. And he also stated the fight against HIV and AIDS, which mm -hmm. has ravaged Africa a lot. Yeah, uh, so he did do uh, tons of good work. but. Like on the opposite side, you realize that when someone dies, the people celebrate and others don't necessarily feel the same way. So hmm. I was reading up on Rwanda because uh, when the Rwandan genocide happened, yeah. um, I think Kofi Annan was the UN Secretary General then. Um, and a lot of Rwandese people felt like he could have done more to hmm. prevent uh, the genocide from happening. So hmm. for him, although we are celebrating for, for some of them, he represents someone who was passive during like a, a, a very trying time. So it's just it's just interesting to see how yeah. one person can be hailed as a hero. Yeah, um, and one, like, yeah. 
by one group or by not and so much by the other. Not so much by the other, right? Yeah. Okay. So, on to the next story. Hazel. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Much. No, no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So this got passed on to me because unfortunately I am. Don't Zimbabwean. you say um, that? How dare you? How dare you? We Zimbabweans are extremely offended at your statement. Please continue. Um. Yeah. So the next story is on the Zimbabwean elections, which just happened. That just happened in July, mm-hmm. uh, as well as updates following the elections. Um, so they were a lot of people were vying for the um, for the presidency. Twenty three total candidates were in, um, and this was actually the first election uh, that didn't have Mugabe on the ballot. So for those who do not know Mugabe, he has been uh, the Zimbabwean president since we gained independence in nineteen eighty. So he ruled Zimbabwe for thirty six years. Uh, he is infamous for the land reform program and his um what's a nice way of saying it <laughs> so you got to say it with your chest we, we don't we don't filter <laughs> on this podcast about what the u.s and the european union thought of hmm. uh, he essentially gave them the middle finger so in some african countries he's hailed as someone who is a big born but in zimbabwe he is a very polarizing figure um, so, I think leading up to the election, things were good because mm-hmm. Zimbabweans were actually able to unite um, when Mugabe left power. The opposition party, as well as the ruling party, they seem to be on the same page, but of course, only one person can be president. Mm-hmm. Um, and leading up, I think just like a few weeks before, people started questioning the transparency of the election because, like, you um, the voters register was not published, for example, and when eventually it was published, there were like um, people who were 120 years old who were on the registrar. So there were a lot of mistakes and a lot of people who had been registered twice and stuff like that. And um, the election committee was not doing anything to address any of those issues. Uh, so that kind of cast a shadow on the election before we had even got into them. Um, yeah. So leading up to the elections, it took, uh, and after the elections happened, it also took a while before the results were released. Um, so they had promised that within a few days of the elections, they released the results, but that didn't end up, end up happening. So people were, were thinking that they were cooking up the results because uh. they didn't want to release the results. And eventually, huh. when they were released, um, Nangagwa was declared the winner of the election. Uh, to which the opposition party contested. Oh, is that still being contested? Sorry? Is that still being contested or have... No, so the the issue already went to the Supreme Court and they ruled that Nangagwa had won the election. Mm. Um, And there was nothing that the opposition party could do. Um, And it did lead to to a few protests afterwards. And uh, six people were killed, I believe, by the... Uh, by the army because they were protesting 
And to Zimbabwean, that was kind of like a betrayal because in November, the army and the people were celebrating together. You know, we're like, yeah, we yeah. have yeah. the Mugabe from yeah. And, you know, people went on and on together with the army. And now, like, just shy of a year later, they are now killing people on the street. Yeah. Right. Um, and just giving a brief backstory to who Munangagwa. Munangagwa. Oh, my God. I'm practicing. Munangagwa is, uh-huh. he was kind of like the second armed person to yes he was yeah. the vice president the vice president right yes um so they were so mugabe what is 95 94 years <laughs> old so i people knew that he was gonna crop very soon so <laughs> within his party they're kind of scrambling to figure out who was gonna take over when that happened so Mnangagwa was um what the people who had been in the party with Mugabe since 1980 were kind of, um, um, yeah, preparing for. But Mugabe's wife, however, uh, Grace Mugabe, had okay. she was also vying. Uh, and that's when the, the whole, president. Yeah. 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 So then they ended up creating factions within the party, one which was being led by Mugabe, the other one which was being led, led by Grace Mugabe. But unfortunately, well, fortunately for Mnangagwa, he had military support. Right? Ah. So then they were then able to use the army to stage a bloodless coup, as they call it. <laughs> yeah. And bloodless, or else. Mugabe. And remove Mugabe from power, and right. then Mnangagwa took over. Right. So I have, a, I, have a quick, I have a quick question for you guys. On the scale of kind of looking at this election and the many others that are going to be going on on the continent, do you do you think our elections are getting freer and fairer, or are we just kind of spinning wheels? <laughs> I think the elections are just let's just say that like let's say that we're actually doing elections. Hmm. I don't think they're okay. definitely all fair. Yes, I think they might not necessarily be more freer, but I feel like due to social media mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the fact. People now can now access news. You can whistleblow wherever you are. Because right. um, before there was like censorship. Right. So even yeah. if you did observe something that was being done incorrectly or you you really couldn't say anything, right. you know. But now you can go on your Facebook and there's tweets. So it's definitely yeah. more different. It it has. It has. Yeah. All right. Now we got the next story. Should I take this one or do you want to? You go ahead. All right. So we're going to be talking about China and Africa, right? Mm-hmm. Story number four. Let's everybody relax. We're not going to cover the whole kind of sphere of events, but I think we're going to maybe commit an episode to just discussing it, I think. Um, but this is really about trade. Um, over The the reason why this, this story is important is because um, with, over the past month or two, there is actually a China-Africa summit between the presidents of African countries and their leaders and Chinese leaders as well to discuss trade and things like that. Um, just some stats. Uh, China is actually Africa's largest trading partner, but there's a really heavy imbalance with the ratio of imports to exports. For example, in Uganda, it's 22 to 1. In Nigeria, it's 11 to 1, so it's extreme. Um, African leaders, they hope to kind of go to this China-Africa summit and be like, yo, 
we should let's was was good dog like let me get this let's get this trade let's you know let you know the trade has to be more beneficial for us get people to get your people to buy our products um so president she actually was fairly amicable to that he offered lots of ideas to help increase the popularity of african products in china um he offered 50 trade facilitation programs on our continent so almost one per country um a lot of people, um, a lot of people, I know there are a lot of concerns about how China is giving out loans and might be buying up our continent slowly, neocolonialism. But um, what we're going to do is we're going to have an episode where we kind of give all the points that support that and then give all the points that are against that. And just so you guys can make an objective, uh, informed decision about that. But yeah, that's that story. You guys have any thoughts? I already have an opinion. <laughs> we already, we already, yeah. Let's let's keep it short because we're gonna put, we're gonna do a whole episode on it where we like get really into it. Um, Can but I, just one quick thing. Yeah, yeah. Quickly, I feel like it feels like a second colonization. It oh. really does. Oh. Like China, China has been slowly coming into African countries, and you hear different African countries are like, "Oh, the Chinese helped us build this great road mm. for, or they gave us." There's so much money at a loan, and you're like, sure, they're just being nice people, but we all know that that's not really it. Mm. It's about control, okay? They're having way more control than they should mm. in our politics and other people. Mm. Um, but another mm. story that came out of China and Africa's yeah. edition, apparently there's the African friends that the China and And I guess, too, on the downside of that, of Africa colonizing, uh, uh, sorry, of China colonizing Africa is that, it, that, like, we can talk all we want about the US or like Europe and how their aid is conditional, but for the for a small extent, they actually give back. Like, I've never seen a Chinese charity organization in Africa. Mm. Mm. Like, <laughs> So, so this this is why I, I kind of want to. No, I, so so this is why I kind of want to do a deep dive because, like, as I was starting to do some research, there's a lot of points to and for. Like, you can make arguments that China actually contributes more to our continent than U.S. or any of those other countries do. But we'll we'll, we'll go into it. I don't want to. We can commit like ten hours to it, and we'll, it'll be it'll be a deep in depth discussion discussion. So look forward to that. Our listening. <laughs> Yeah, it'll, man. Yeah, there's a everybody has a lot of thoughts on that right now. But um, let's let's get on to the next story. Yes. Well, a lot of it seems like a lot of um, political figures from other countries are taking African tours. Um, most famously, Theresa May came to hey. on an African uh, tour of the continent a few months ago. Um, she stopped by Nigeria, South uh -huh. Africa, Kenya. Uh, because they're believed to be the bigger economies in Africa. Um, she did a dance, which is funny. I did a dance. Be, be more specific. Like, Theresa there, May was twerking. Let's, let's, let's get the facts right. <laughs> Theresa oh, May okay. twerked in <laughs> Nigeria. <laughs> Keep, okay, you may continue. Uh, verified, no confirmed. But <laughs> 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 she did claim that in four years, she wants to become African's largest foreign investor. Um, she wants that, that they, she believes that. Yeah. They're <laughs> technically already, uh, I mean, they call it also the <laughs> continent. So, quote unquote. She believes that um, 
there's a desperate attempt to revamp. She wants... A lot of people think. People believe that it was a desperate attempt to revamp the image, given that she's not... She doesn't. She's not popular in the in the UK. Following yeah. um, Brexit, um, and she, like you mentioned, she visited South Africa, Kenya, and Nigeria. She gave a bell to the South African government to commemorate a maritime disaster in Mobutu, where 600 soldiers died. She had meetings with uh, President Buhari uh, before he left the country. <laughs> <laughs> Traveling blogger, president. My president today, travel blogger. <laughs> <laughs> and then she taught in business school and went to British troop train in Kenya. But she had fun. It seemed like she was yeah, she was, she was taking a break from. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but even outside of her wanting to revamp the image, I mean, Britain moving out of the EU means that you know trade and. Um, all of those things that they used to do with European countries will no longer be the same. So now they have to make sure that they also have strong trade relations with Africa. And right, given right. that a lot of countries in the Commonwealth are African countries, that becomes important mm -hmm. in pretending Europe. So it's not only like an image issue, but it's also like an economic issue for, for Britain as well to make sure that they have strong ties with Africa. If we if we had really smart real leaders, they'd be taking care they'd be taking advantage of the whole like trade turmoil that's going yeah. on all over the world and you know and yeah. but you know. God give us what God give us. <laughs> <laughs> Let's give him all right. Hazel, would you like to take the next story? Uh, going back to Southern Africa. Southern Africa. This next topic actually gives me a sense of deja vu mm -hmm. because this is exactly what happened in mm -hmm. Zimbabwe. Um, so the South African um, government, uh, which is being led by the ANC, has a land plan. Uh, which is to redistribute farm, farmland, uh, which is owned predominantly by whites. Okay. To uh, and by whites, that means people that are Caucasian or <laughs> look, look really yeah okay continue low melanin comes continue <laughs> yes <laughs> I'm providing context continue um, so. I think the point of contention too has come in whether it should be a willing buyer, willing seller redistribution and whether the government should actually compensate the farmers for the end. So right now they are going over Article 25 of the South African Bill of Rights, uh, which mandates that um, land expropriation should be subject to compensation. But the government, I guess, does not want to compensate the farmers. I don't think they even have the money to compensate them on Give them treasury so, bonds. Well, I guess they, they could. Uh, but they can't really bank on, on the economy right now because the, the South African economy is not really doing well yeah. over the past couple of years. Um, so many are worried that this would just mirror what happened in Zimbabwe. Uh, so in 2000, Mugabe went over this. Uh, Similar thing, pretty much. We 
he grabbed land. And by grab, I literally mean grab. He grabbed land from white people and he gave gave it to blacks. But it wasn't done in a democratic sense. It was only the land was only given to those people who were supporting Mugabe. Hmm. So it wasn't to advance the agenda. Sorry? Like cronyism, he just gave his guys. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, so that actually led to the um, economic collapse mm-hmm. of Zimbabwe, because Zimbabwe before 2000 was actually one of the most economically viable countries in Africa. So when that when the land grab happened, um, our agriculture went down because the people who were given the land went, did not even have the skills to manage big farms. Hmm. These are like huge commercial farms that they're being given. You need to have management skills. You need to actually yeah. understand agriculture from a scientific perspective. <laughs> yeah, you know. And they they didn't have that know-how. And on top of that, we ended up having economic sanctions uh, on us from the U.S. and Europe. So that just made the economy stagnant and we had hyperinflation. Hmm. You know, it was one of the highest in the world using trillions of dollars um, and I mean we are still we are still in that hole right now we don't even use our own currency because it's not stable so we have to use the US dollar so it's a huge economic mess and South Africa South Africans are correct to be concerned about this because if it ends up happening to them yeah they'll just end up being the next Zimbabwe yeah. and I mean Zimbabwe hasn't come out of that and yeah. Take to that. So, but, so, so, are probably worried that if that happens, like, how do you dig yourself out of that? Yeah, yeah. and there's context to that, and that's where we struggle to as a continent a lot of times. Like, somebody's done something before, you know that it didn't work out, and and you you know you try and do the exact same thing, hoping it'll work. Now, now the problem with South Africa really is that it's not so much just a land grab; is that the same atmosphere of corruption and nepotism. That caused Zimbabwe's problem would also is also currently also exists very heavily in South Africa, unfortunately. And if I were to offer my suggestion as a intelligence man of uh, knowledge and uh, and uh, expertise, I would say that I would say no. This is actually a really good idea. I would say that what rather than, than grabbing ownership from the white farmers, tax them aggressively, but not so heavily that their businesses like so far collapse. But tax them aggressively and pull all that money into like a, uh, I don't know, equality fund where that goes into education, specifically for people that have been held back by apartheid policies. It goes into development and so way to, you know, gives these people schools, yeah. all the things that they would need to gain that equity. Maybe even goes into like a, a, an entrepreneurial fund, like when people want to start business, they can, you know, start businesses, no matter what the business is. Not that like, oh, all these people suddenly have to be farmers just because um you know the the land was redistrict redistributed here from them like i think they should take some of the land for like housing and things like that but like not just a small percentage of it and then tax the farmers like even the land taken away could be like a tax like give us three percent of your deal five percent of your land like there are better ways to do this other than just get out your farms now man you know that's not likely to work out and I think to add to what you said, with the heavy the money gained from the heavy taxes, we use it to educate uh, black farmers mm. to build Facts. their own capacity, and then slowly do the land grab. Because I don't think the 
the reason behind wanting to take land from land farmers, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing because it's mm-hmm. it's based off of um, the effect of colonization where yeah. you know the white people came on our continent, took land as their own, had yeah. a farm, able to um, grow themselves economically, like to own land, and owning land is a big deal anywhere. So I don't think the reason behind wanting to redistribute land is bad, but I think that there's a better way to go about it. And it might be a slower process, but it's better to be slower than it is to just be done wrong and, mm-hmm. and like, you know, ruin the country for it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, let's, let's in, continue. Go ahead. Yeah, and and I don't think anyone is arguing that there is an equality issue in South Africa because the minority, which are the white people, controls the economy. Yeah. Uh, and then the blacks don't really have that much input. Yeah. But for the longest time, because South Africa had one of the best social welfare programs, hmm. like in Africa and even in the world, Regular South Africans were not really worried because the government was meeting their everything. They most of the like education is free in South Africa. Housing, mm-hmm. I think, is free if you cannot afford your food. They get like things subsidized. But now because South Africa is like in this um, economic issue, I mean, it's not as bad as some other countries, but they can all of them meet um those social working needs that they used to before so now there's this kind of like this um, um unsettledness that right, is now right, right. rising in people and i think the government to to a certain extent they want to stifle that before people take to the streets and right and they want to pick like yeah yeah and they feel like this is like a popular thing to do like mm-hmm. oh yes let's take the land away from the white people and give it to black people but I think to a certain extent, it's actually a political move on their part so that they can further their popularity right. um, amongst the people. Um, yeah, but I I think that the idea of taxing white people is actually interesting. Yeah. It's it's easy. Yo, I came for president. I'm telling you guys, shit, we're going <laughs> to make moves. It's going to happen, guys. We are going to change the world. Um, but yeah, let's move on to the next story. Um. I kind of loved it. I, I found out about this story on Twitter. I saw like a video of Bobby Wine, and I think in chicken because I don't know why I never heard of them before then. Hmm. What type of music did you say? Uh, so reggae. She, uh, reggae. Is it reggae really? Because I just I just said that. I I don't know. What <laughs> From the tidbit I've heard, it does sound like It sounds like reggae. Yeah, I'm glad. Definitely not trapping. If it is not reggae, pop, I think they called him a pop singer too. Oh, he's a pop singer? Pop reggae. I mean, his name is Bobby Wine. Come on, guys. I know. Like, like, like. Is it conscious music or is it more like? It is socially conscious for sure. Really? And that's part of what he used to like bring awareness to the youth that listen to his music about what's actually going on in uh, Uganda. So, um, President Museveni, which is Uganda's current president, is one of those president for life. He's part of the president for life. President for life. Like Mugabe, like the president of Rwanda. For life. They're still there. 
People oh, had mad dreams about the family after Mugabe was off stage. Yeah. Like they were showing him and like, praying all night. For people who don't know, President Museveni has been in power since 1986. Quick fact. Um, he power mm. um, and has slowly been re-elected and re-elected since then. And even now has pushed for the age limit to be removed. So you can just continue to be fall off his chair. Yeah. Um, but then there comes in Bobby Wine, who is a uh, musician in Uganda, is famous too, and has used his music to kind of to inspire the people to be more aware of politics and to inspire political reform in Uganda, and mm. to kind of act as an opposition leader to President Sabini. Now, disclaimer. Bobby Wine is not the only um, opposition leader, and in fact, he's not the main opposition leader, but he has come in because he's younger and um, has influence on the youth, and now, you know, everyone is being scared up as to what's actually going on in, in Uganda. Uh, Bobby Wine, whose real name is Rob, Robert... Uh, Robert Wynne. Win, what? Kiagulani. It's Kiagulani. Uh-uh. Not difficult. All right. Came into the political scene a year ago when he was elected into parliament. Uh, and he defeated, like, established the established ruling party in, in that election. And then he brought her, he's starting to bring a spotlight to repressive nature of Uganda's politics. And many of the people that he has campaigned for have also been one seat hmm. um, in politics, too. So, like, people are seeing that his influence is getting out there. He was arrested last August after the presidential convoy was stoned. Um, he was being for that, you know, he had um, incited inspired the people and stuff like that, and he was part of it. Um, and then when he was held in custody, he was like brutally beat up, like actually taken to the U.S. treatment. Mm -hmm. um, they dropped those charges against him, but then quickly um, made another charge against him for treason and. Um, Right now, that's the charge on him and a few others. And um, there was the trial supposed to happen this past summer, but it has just been this past few months, but it has just been postponed to December. So right now, that's the case against him, treason, but he's still gaining popularity. Like I mentioned, I found out about him on Twitter, and like he's going to support in Uganda and outside of Uganda. So hopefully that's good. Um, another story I saw in Anonymous Line is that people spoke to the primary opposition leader in Uganda uh, saying that does he does he feel threatened mm -hmm. and he kind of said that he doesn't like the main aim of being opposition leader is to is to stop the way politics in Uganda currently is is to change the nature of politics mm -hmm. so he's not mad that someone else is coming in and bringing for like that their goals are similar and aligned and as long as they can meet that goal that is what is good. The whole time that I was, that you were talking about this story, I really could not help but draw a, a comparison to Trump. Not his personality, but just like a celebrity mm. getting involved in politics and generating interest in people. Because usually politics for a good number of people is just something that they don't want to get involved in. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, yeah, I can go vote, I might not go vote. But like once someone that 
you like and whose music maybe that you've been listening to gets involved in politics, it actually makes other people who never played a role in politics at all get involved. Yeah. Yeah. Funny yeah. yeah, that you say that. I actually drew parallels to Fela because yeah. he was very famous about talking about the way okay. Nigeria's um, political scene was and yeah. how, you know, we keep going through the same cycle. But yeah. the difference between him and Bobby Wine is that Bobby Wine actually stepped into the politics yeah. and yeah. became part of it and uh, I kind mean, of transitioned from there. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's one thing that always kind of bothers me internally. It's like, okay, people like Fela have, you know, they sang these songs. And they're so deep and when things happen we're like oh fella said this 20 years ago yeah but like for me yeah. it's like what has that actually changed you know like did that inspire a new generation of people to do things differently no not at all i mean it really inspire people but right. that's whole family was you know they were yeah, very they're political activists yeah yes his his mom was a more more of an activist than he was he yeah. sang about it but she actually did stuff um, she, she died. But mm. I think that if Fela had stepped out to maybe run for something or, I mean, I don't know that much. Maybe he did have people that he campaigned for yeah. to enter political <clears throat> scenes. Mm -hmm. But if he, if he had made such a move as becoming part of the parliament or yeah. the House of Assembly, something in, in our case, then maybe more people would have stepped up. Yeah, I mean, we, they already tried to kill him multiple times without even beat him up so many they times. Did. And that's just for his music. And same thing with uh, Bobby mm -hmm. Wine. You hmm. know, they tried to kill him. And that's expected if you come up and say, oh, I don't like you as president. Yeah. So all of you pressuring Whiskey to go and make political statements, please. Uh, <laughs> My guy's just afraid. <laughs> he has a life to live. But I... I to a certain extent, I yes, some artists can step in and become politicians and all of that because they are already popular and they can garner a following. But sometimes I feel like some people are just meant to be singers and raise awareness through that. Yeah. Uh, and because I feel like being a politician, it takes a certain competency. Yeah, and yes, in terms of that, like education-wise, you kind of have to know. A few things, you know, about political science, yeah. about the economy, and uh, about just living in general. Mm -hmm. And sometimes being a celebrity does not necessarily qualify you to be a leader. It's good because you're bringing awareness, right? Because you have a lot of eyes, in you, but I don't think it's necessarily a qualifier for you to be a politician, to be a politician. Yeah. 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 Kind of major story for the wonderful new update for season three but um we're gonna go over to cameroon west africa um so just to uh get into it um there has been an ongoing conflict between the anglophone and francophone regions of cameroon now framing it that way might seem make it seem uh seem odd but the country is actually largely francophone it's mostly a french-speaking country um the government is primarily french-speaking however there are two major and relatively nicely sized um maybe about a quarter of the population is actually english speaking um and now the conflict there has been so intense that it, many fear that it could actually turn into the war into a war um the anglophones have felt marginalized and have felt forced to assimilate into francophone culture 
everything from there. There, there are a lot of changes that we're trying to make their judge, their judiciary system and their teaching system French when they feel they felt uncomfortable with that. And when the current president, President Bia, came into power, he uh, further centralized power into the French speaking areas, you know, so a lot of decisions for the people who are in the Anglophone regions were made by French speaking people. Um, a large portion of the Anglophones want fair treatment, but a few actually want their own country, uh, which they have declared as Ambazonia. Um, the conflict started off with, don't laugh at the name, the conflict started off first as a few rallies by lawyers and professors from universities in uh, Anglophone regions, but has since grown and is now gotten very, very violent. Um, separatists have armed themselves with like farming rifles and things like that and have actually attacked security war forces and Cameroon forces have also jailed and tortured several activists and including the self-declared interim president of Ambazonia. Um, dozens of activists who fled to Nigeria have been sent back unfortunately. Um, now there's a quick fact here. Oinkon, do you want to do that? Yes, yes, yes. I think. <laughs> quick facts. <laughs> Let's go. And we actually have two quick facts um, from Cameroon today. Yeah. Cameroon is actually very ethnically and linguistically diverse. It's not just English and French, but it, it does happen to be the biggest languages on, uh, in that country. Um, and it's as a result of colonization. Um, Cameroon was initially colonized by, by Germany. Um, but then after World War One, the League of Nations divided Cameroon between France and Britain, giving a larger share to France because Britain already had half of West Africa. So they were like, this is this is more more fair to share yeah. that country between us two. And so around nineteen sixty, both sides of Cameroon kind of got their independence around the same time and um couldn't come to an agreement on whether they should become one country or not. So what happened was that, and I, I'm not sure how this went about, but essentially the English speaking side, which was the smaller side, were told that they could either become one Cameroon or they should go and join Nigeria um, hmm. because Nigeria and Cameroon are right next to each other when yeah. they that way. But um, the Cameroonians chose to stay part of Cam Cameroon and and that's where we are now where you know they're still being repressed and another quick fact is that president bia is also one of those president for life ruling pfl pfl gang yeah pfl gang <laughs> so you can imagine them being repressed and uh feeling marginalized with this one so i think that it's kind of they've been it's the bottleneck that's finally been exploded, that's okay. finally exploding so, so um so I was talking to a, a Cameroonian friend of mine. I'm actually going to get him on the podcast to share his thoughts. He's actually an, he's from, he's, he speaks both English and French, but I think he's from the Francophone region of the country. He says that actually a lot of people, so he has a very extremely different take on the conflict than any news I've, I'll let say reporting period. Um, but essentially just putting this out there so you get that we're here, essentially just thinks it's all um contrived by some other forces trying to get certain things done and certain resources from the the uh, anglophone regions um and yeah he has a, just like for you know when you hear something that's entirely different from the narrative you've been hearing um right. i also want right. to share that while we'll also be kind of going more in depth into kind of the 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 cameroonian story so far as reported so um yeah that's 
That is it. You uh, think so contrived. It kind of reminds me of Rwanda. And you know how like the two tribes yeah. were against each other, but it was kind of yeah. made up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, hopefully it never but, gets up. But turn into something new. Yeah. 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 Potentially. Yeah. Um, just to kind of put you guys, put out some other stories that kind of happened this this summer as well. Um, Nigeria is currently in election season and had very heavy flooding. Um, its Minister of Finance actually resigned over forgery claims because they alleged, allegedly forged, forged her uh, national service certificate. Uh, the First Lady of the United States, Melania Trump, toured Africa this week, I think. She just completed that tour, actually. Um, in the DRC, there's been another outbreak of um, Ebola, especially in areas where conflicts is heavy. And um, there's a lot more going on, and you can trust us as Pod Save Africa to keep you abreast of all of the ongoings on the continent. Um, do you guys have? Sorry. Yeah. One good news update is uh, we have a surgeon from the Democratic Republic of Congo who just won. Yeah. Hey, 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 um, hey, for hey. for his fight against sexual violence. Yeah. He won this in conjunction with um, Dr. Nadia Murad, um, they were both awarded the same peace prize. Um, and they've been helping girls and women who are victims of rape and other sexual um, violence. Um, and so they, they were recognized for their work in doing so. That one's really heartwarming. But guys, mm -hmm. um, ladies, thank you so much for joining us, joining me to share this uh, News update, I'm excited to back for Nick's new season. We're going to be focusing heavily on getting you guys the news as quickly as possible. Um, so we'll actually be seeing you guys next week as opposed to in two weeks with more news on the content. It's A lot is happening really quickly. Um, we're still going to be bringing interviews and so much more content, but we're excited to start this new season and we're excited to hear back from you. If you have thoughts on the episodes, hit us up at Pod Save Africa and the pod has a zero on Twitter or hit us up on Pod Save Africa on Instagram. We're about to launch our Instagram actually as this episode launches. So hit us up, like our photos, double tap, triple tap. Can you triple tap? You can't even double tap. Yeah, you can double tap, I know. Okay. Don't ask me. I don't have anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a millennial. But, but yeah, like our photos. Um, we're going to be posting a lot of content, a lot of stuff out there that's asking questions about your thoughts. We really want to interact with you guys as much as possible. Um, we think the stories we tell are important. Um, we think getting people out of the bubble of news and the world stage that avoids and leaves us in the dark um, is 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 important. It's we gotta We got to tell our stories, and this podcast helps us to do so. Um, yeah, guys, any final thoughts? No, this was no, fun. it was it's good to hear like your opinions about specific things that we would read in news outlets. Like, I, I find it so interesting when you read things in the news and you believe that this is actually what's going on, and then yeah. you hear from a person who is closer to it, and they're like, uh, well, not really. <laughs> I, you know, that's yeah. always so very interesting. It is, but the downside too sometimes is that you like objectivity. Mm -hmm. Like, for yeah. example, if I were to talk about Mugabe, I don't think I would be as objective. I would definitely be. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> very, very biased. Fair, fair enough. Um, so, guys, uh, Hazel, uh, thank you for joining us. Oinkan, thank you for joining me. This has been. Pod Save Africa. You guys have this has been eye candy with Pod Save Africa. You have a wonderful rest of your week. Bye.
good. Bye, guys. Bye.